lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Amen. Let me tell you something about this book. This book's able to save your soul. You guys with me? If you receive the engrafted word, you put aside the, the, the naughtiness and the filthiness and receive the word, it's able to save your soul. Verse 22 is very important. It says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed indeed. Everyone say amen. Amen. I heard a song when I was a child that said, I'm tired of being stirred, but not being changed. And I don't want that to be the case with this sermon series, that it would stir something in us. And we would recognize a need for change. And we would recognize that we're not where God wants us to be. And somehow assume that by recognizing it, that something positive has happened. Definitely recognition is the first step to change. But recognition without change is useless. When you recognize the need, then it's time to do something. Let me say this as well. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Man, the Bible says it this way. It's like a man who sees his face in a mirror. And then he goes and forgets what he looks like. When you look in a mirror, you see what needs to be changed. I've shared this with this church before. When you look in a mirror, you notice what needs to be changed. If you're a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word, you're like a man that looks in the mirror and sees where the dirt is all over his face. His hair is a mess. But he says, wow, look, I'm a mess. I need to fix this. But rather than standing in front of the mirror and staying in the perfect law of liberty and letting it be adjusted, he goes his way and he forgets what was wrong. How many have ever experienced that before spiritually? That God speaks to you, that the word of God shakes you up and you're like, wow. Something's wrong here. Something needs to change. I got to get closer to God. I got to pray through. I got to get back in, in, in love with Jesus. And then we walk away without making the change. And the Bible says it's foolish to be a hearer only, but not a doer of the word. And so we want to take what God has impressed upon us. If, if during this series the Lord has impressed upon you that you are a lukewarm Christian, guess what? The idea is not to walk away and say, wow, I learned something. No, we didn't want you to learn that you were a lukewarm Christian. We wanted you to see yourself as a lukewarm Christian and say, let's change. Let's make a difference. Let's take a step of faith. Let's do what God is prompting and directing us to do. And finally, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, because we want to counterbalance, and I feel like I received a word from God last night for the church. Galatians 3, 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Verse 2, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
He was asking them a rhetorical question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Verse 3 is what I want you to focus on. It says, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for what you've done and given for us, Jesus, and for the blessings that come our direction. And I thank you, Jesus, that at times, Lord God, you will chasten us. You will awaken us. You will give us understanding, Lord Jesus, as to where we are and where we need to be. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that for the next few minutes as I minister what you've put on my heart, Lord God, that you would open our hearts to receive, Jesus. And then, most of all, I'm asking today, Lord God, that you would confirm your word with signs following. If there be someone in the house today who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit, that they would see the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues or language that they never learn as the Spirit gives them the utterance, Lord God, and they would leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit today. Lord Jesus, we recognize we can't do this on our own. This is not a difference or a change that we can make by our own power. But Jesus, we need you, Lord God. We need your Spirit, Lord. We need to walk after the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. One more time, clap your hands if Jesus is Lord of all in your life. And you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This series has been personally very convicting and very motivating for me as an individual. And to sum up the last uh, nine weeks of crazy love, it's basically that God is an awesome God. That He is so huge, so massive, so powerful that we can't even conceive of it. And as such, Jesus Christ, which is God manifested in the flesh, which is the purpose for creation and the creator of the earth, Jesus Christ is the center of the universe. And with all that in mind, it's kind of crazy that this all-powerful God loves someone like you. It's crazy. What, what pleasure would he get out of that? What fulfillment would he get out of that? As David said, what is man that thou art mindful of, of, of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? It really doesn't add up. It doesn't equate when we think that the God of creation is crazy about us and loves us with an undying love like a heavenly father. Isn't that awesome to think that God loves you and I? Amen. God loves. But what's even more crazy as we study this book is our lukewarm response to that love that God has shown to us. Our just kind of tepid, indifferent response to that love. Because the only appropriate response, the only response that really makes sense when the creator of the world loves you and wants a relationship with you and wants to commune with you, the whole purpose for the earth is created for God's glory. And that God who created you wants to commune with you. The only appropriate response, the only response that makes sense is for us to become passionately in love and obsessed with Jesus Christ. Amen. Obsessed with Jesus Christ. But we find ourselves in the midst of a Christian church that 
whose expectations are such that many are lukewarm Christians that aren't living up to the expectations in the Word of God and what you would normally expect as an appropriate response to a living God that loves each and every one of us. And uh, as we studied this, there have been many people who uh, said, Pastor Brown, while I was reading the book, it was made apparent to me that I thought I was the way that I was supposed to be, but in reality, I'm a lukewarm Christian, and I'm not where God wants me to be, and I don't have that fire and that passion and that tenacity and that love for God and that service for the kingdom of God that I ought to have. I got in front of the mirror, Pastor, and I could tell there were some things that needed to be changed. Some of you may have that witness and that testimony today. I'm going to stand before you today, and I'm going to share with you that personally, uh, over the last 10 weeks, uh, I have become convicted because the Spirit of the Lord, through the Word of God, and through this man who wrote this book, uh, has made me aware of the fact uh, that I have allowed myself to believe the lies uh, of this world that's been filtered through a lukewarm Christianity, that my connection, relationship, and walk with God is everywhere that it should be. And I realize uh, that I'm fallen short. I realize that I'm not who God wanted me to be. I realize that I'm living below my privileges. I realize that I'm not functioning fully the way that God could have me to function. And I can stand before you today and say I'm standing in front of the mirror right now and I can tell that I'm a mess. I can tell that there are some things that need to change. And the Word of God made it clear in that passage in James that we read that if you're only a hearer of the Word, if you're only stimulated and stirred by the Word, but nothing changes in you, it's foolishness. It's like a man that sees himself in a mirror and then goes away and doesn't make the adjustments and the changes. But there is a perfect law of liberty into which you can look. And when you look into this law, all of a sudden things begin to change in you. Things begin to transform in you. So the first response to this book is apply it. Do what God directs you to do. Do what God lays on your heart. Don't just say it would be a good thing to do that. and That would be appropriate. Don't just be moved when we think about other people who live with heaven on their mind. But let's live our own lives with heaven on our mind. Live as if this could be the last day that we live on this earth. Live as if we know everything that we've worked hard for to purchase and to acquire is going to one day melt with a fervent heat. And only what's done for Jesus Christ is going to last. If I wake up every day and I live my life under that concept and that truth and that belief, then my life is going to be transformed. So don't let it be just words that stir you. And don't let it be just something that impacts you temporarily. Amen. But I want to share with you, encounter what I felt the Lord spoke to me yesterday evening while I was... Uh, spending some time talking to the Lord, I was able to do so outside, looking up at the sky, and just spending some time talking to God. And sitting there, I was feeling guilty. In fact, I was feeling worthless. I don't know if anybody's ever felt like that before. Like you're praying before God, and you feel like you've fallen so short of what you ought to be. 
so short of what you expected of yourself and so short maybe of what other people might expect of you. And uh, you've been dilatory in your spiritual disciplines. You haven't been praying. You haven't been spending time in God's Word. And you get to feeling rotten. You've been struggling with the lust of the flesh. And you're feeling pretty bad about yourself. Anybody been there before? Anybody been there before? Okay, so I'm not the only one. And uh, so yesterday as I was sitting out there, I was like, God, all this stimulation from, from, from this book and from our small group times. And God, where's the change? Where, where is the change? Why are things not different in me? Why am I not zealously, ambitiously taking every day, spending time in your word and in prayer like I know that I should be, like I teach and preach, like your word teaches and preaches? Why do I find myself so distracted and so pulled? Why does it feel, God, like I have to fight for five minutes of prayer time and it feels sometimes like a battle while I'm trying to just spend some time in prayer with you. Now, guess what? I don't always feel this way, but there's times in my life where I go through a cycle like this, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you can relate to what I'm talking about. And you get to feeling down on yourself. You get to feeling discouraged. You get to feeling worthless. You get to feeling like God is sick and tired of you and done with you and finished with your old sorry self that can't seem to follow through on what you promised you were going to do for Him. And I was sitting in the presence of the Lord, and I said, God, what am I going to do? And tears flowing. God, how am I going to make this difference in my life? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And this scripture came to mind that I read to you in Galatians chapter 3. The Bible says, how are you going to begin one thing in the Spirit and finish it in the flesh? In other words, your experience with God, your passion for God, your love for God was birthed because of a Holy Spirit baptism experience. It was because of what was happening in the Holy Ghost. And if you turn around, see, there's this subtle tendency, and I want you to get this point. There's this subtle tendency in the life of a believer to unknowingly begin to transition between being led of the Spirit, being prompted by the Holy Spirit, and being motivated by the Holy Spirit to shifting over and beginning to do it through the works of the flesh. Through the works of the flesh, that means trying to be a good person, trying to exercise willpower, trying to exercise self-control, trying to be a good person. And you find yourself, rather than being gospel-powered and rather than being Holy Spirit-powered, I'm Rich Brown-powered. And I'm trying to do it through the power of my will and through my own discipline. The Bible says you can't start out in the Spirit and then shift over and do it in the flesh. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel bad all the time. You're going to feel discouraged. You're going to feel beat up and the devil's going to use it against you. You can't start in the spirit and then move over and begin to operate in the flesh. I want you to get this point because this happens in the life of almost every believer at one time or another is that your zeal, your passion, your love and your fire begins to ebb because what should be being done through the power of the spirit. Now I begin to do it through the power of my flesh. 
Now I try to do it just because I know I should be doing it. Now I do it out of obligation. Now I do it out of requirement. Now I do it because, man, I should be doing this. And God's going to be disappointed with me. And God's people are going to be disappointed with me. And my kids will be disappointed with me if I don't follow through and do what God's told me to do. It moves over to a work of the flesh. And I want to tell you that this New Testament church that we read about in the book of Acts and we read about in the epistles is not a church that was focused on what we could do through our own power and our own ability. But it was a church that realized that if I try to do this on my own, I'm going to fail every time. If I try to be righteous, if I try to be a good person, if I try to overcome the works of the flesh, if I try to be zealous and on fire for God through my own power, I'm going to fall short every single time. This church was a Holy Ghost church. The New Testament church was a Holy Spirit church. A church that recognized every morning, every afternoon, every evening that I can't make it on my own. That I can't function on my own. That I didn't get into this on my own. It wasn't my good works that got me into this. It wasn't my good will that got me into this. It wasn't my good name that got me into this. In fact, my works were filthy. My name was messed up. But I got into this through the power of the Holy Spirit that transformed and changed me. And how can I expect that what started in the Spirit... Oh man, I had these struggles with the flesh. But when the Holy Ghost came in, all my life was transformed. The things I used to do, I didn't even want to do them anymore. The way I used to talk, I didn't want to talk that way anymore. The places I used to go and the way I used to act, I was finished with that. The Bible says it this way. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. How many remember what it was like when the Holy Spirit came in and effortlessly, 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 the things that had you trapped began to fall off of you because you were full of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost and power, the Holy Ghost and fire, and it was keeping you alive. Praise God. Amen. I love to see new people get the Holy Ghost. It thrills my heart to see new people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because it shows me again how powerful the Holy Spirit is. How big of a change it can make in a person's life. Acts 1.8 says it this way. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. The Bible says you're sanctified and justified by the Spirit of God and by the name of Jesus Christ. That means I was changed. Sanctified. Cleansed. Purged. By the Holy Spirit. I didn't clean myself up. I didn't didn't refine myself. I didn't reform myself. It was a God thing. It was the Holy Spirit, God living in me, that began to burn out all the dross, began to burn out all the filth. It was a God thing. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a work of the Spirit. It wasn't a work of the flesh. So you can see, if you you want to do a study, look at Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is someone trying to live for God through the flesh. Romans chapter 8 
is someone living victoriously for Jesus Christ by walking after the Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that any one of them was more or less motivated than the other. It doesn't mean that either one of them had any more pure of motive or desire. It just indicates that one of them realized this is where my power source is. And if I ever unplug from the power source, I'm back to Romans chapter 7 again. Some of you listen to me right now because you've been alternating between Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 7. This may not make any sense to you, but Romans chapter 7 says things like this. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's always present with me. I find a law in my members. That's the law of sin. And that is when I would do good, I end up doing bad. I want to do good, but I do bad. This is somebody who operates and tries to live for God through the flesh. It's going to be frustrating. Amen. And if you're struggling, let me tell you what the problem is. You need to bring the Holy Ghost back into the equation. Come on, somebody. You don't need more willpower. You don't need to read another book. You don't need to hear ten more sermons. What you need is the Holy Ghost and fire to come into your life. The Holy Ghost will make a difference in your life. Romans 7. I want to do good. Evil is present with me. I try to do good. There's a law in my members. And I end up doing bad. I want to do good, but the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil, which I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. And I feel wretched. I feel nasty. Come on, somebody. Some of you have been living in Romans chapter 7 the last few weeks, and it's time for you to get up. Because these words that have been declared through crazy love, it may have stirred you and inspired you. But I'm going to promise you right now that you can't make the change through the flesh. You cannot make the change by saying, I'm going to do more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to work more. I'm going to try harder. That's not the idea. The idea is I've got to get the Holy Ghost on the inside, and all of a sudden, i got jet fuel now. All of a sudden, what seems impossible becomes easy. All of a sudden, what seemed improbable seems likely. Amen? It's going to happen. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hope, I hope, I hope you're not thinking here, I'm just here to hype somebody up or to declare platitudes. But I'm telling you the truth from the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath set them free from the law of sin and death. Somebody say Holy Ghost. Somebody say Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Holy Ghost, fall in this place. Holy Spirit, fall in my heart. See, I don't know if you've noticed, but in Christianity, lukewarm Christianity, you could attend their church services and... Many of the church services that you could attend, you could attend church services today in buildings that seat literally thousands of people. You can. And in these church services, services, you will literally be blown away by the level of human ability. You'll be fascinated and amazed by the talent. Right? By the skill. 
you'll be fascinated by how smoothly and with excellence every single aspect of that organization is run with excellence. Excellence. Smooth. Flawless. Someone will get up and will speak. And their words will be so, the the sermon or message will be so well crafted. It will be so well done. You can tell that there have been hours spent sanding every statement and adjusting every nuance. So that the maximum impact of the practical message that relates to your life will be something that you remember when you come back to the next week. But one thing that you will notice in the majority of these churches that's missing is the power of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit. You won't see people fall to their knees with tears streaming down their face. You won't see people fall out as the Holy Spirit comes upon them. In fact, it's not emphasized, it's not declared, it doesn't happen in the majority of these assemblies. See, what it is is definitely what's talked about in Galatians chapter 3. We could spend a lot of time talking about that passage. But it says something began in the Spirit. Galatians, church, you were born in the Spirit. You were transformed by the Holy Spirit. But now you are thinking that you can finish what God started by bringing and imposing this Hebrew law on everybody and asking them to endeavor to fulfill every aspect of the law. It's not that what you're telling them to do is wrong. It's the motivation that's wrong. Because you have put them in a position to try to do through the flesh what is only going to be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. My God. And God didn't call us to build churches to make people feel good and to fill up the auditorium. But God's told us to get people ready for heaven and to turn them into disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this. There's no amount of skill. There's no amount of human ingenuity. There's no amount of commitment to excellence that can produce what the Holy Spirit can do in a person's life. In a matter of a few moments. You can come and be blown away by the music program and the multimedia and the lights and smoke. You can come and you can be fascinated by the practical sermons that are finely crafted and so close to where you live. But you can walk out the same person that you came in because God never intended for the gospel message to be finessed by human skill. God's plan was that it was the Holy Spirit. That would be the agent that would bring about the transformation in a person's life. Christianity has fallen into the trap of trying to accomplish through the flesh what was supposed to be done through the moving of the Spirit. You know what the problem is? There's no confidence in the Holy Spirit. You know what the problem is? The Holy Spirit's unpredictable. You know what the real problem is? A lot of them don't have the Holy Spirit. 
If you don't receive the Holy Spirit, how can you operate in the gifts of the Spirit? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, how can you anticipate God showing up and moving in your midst? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you better get talented. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you better try to finesse people and create an organization that's quasi-Christian. But the reality is the only true Christian church is a Holy Spirit church. The only true Christian church is a church where God steps in and makes the change in people's lives. Because guess what? I'm not smart enough. I'm not skilled enough. And I can't speak good enough. Nobody can to make a change in a person's life. But the Holy Ghost, you let the, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You let the Holy Ghost begin to work. And what was upside down gets right side up. What was misprioritized becomes rightly prioritized. That's the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? Let's praise Him right now. Come on, praise Jesus with me right now. He's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. 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 The promise was Jesus was going to take away the sins of the world. And he was also going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what John said. John said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. I baptize you with water and repentance. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You know what? I'm sick of talking about it. I'm ready to see it. It's time for this church to begin to reverberate with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, some people are believing with me right now. There's some faith. There's some faith rising up into the atmosphere. Because it's not God's will that we come to this building service after service and nobody receives the Holy Ghost. That's not the will of God. We can try all we want to. We can do everything we want to. We can have good programs. And it's worthless unless the Holy Ghost is falling in our midst. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what's keeping me alive. It's not my willpower. It's not my skill. It's not my ability. It's the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, Jesus said it this way, I'm with you right now, disciples, but I'm not going to continue to be with you. We're going to change the preposition. I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. I'm going to send, get this, a comforter. And when the comforter, the spirit of truth has come, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Some of you are looking for a new philosophy. Some of you might be looking for a new church. Some of you are looking for new energy in your life. I'm telling you right now, all you need is a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. When the Spirit of God comes, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. See, here's the deal. We're trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong. What should I do? What should I not do? Through our flesh. The Spirit will lead you and guide you to all truth. And how many know the Spirit of God is never going to contradict the Word of God? 
Because the word's forever settled in heaven. The Holy Spirit's not going to contradict the word of God. Man, I feel old school Holy Ghost revival all over me right now. Because it's time for people to let the Holy Ghost transform them. Change them. Hallelujah. How many of you can remember when you received the Holy Spirit? I've asked people before, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, uh, I don't know. But, but I'm sure I have it. Because the Bible says I have to have it, so I must have it. And I say, well, when, when did you receive it? I don't know. I've been raised in church. I've gone to church my whole life. Well, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? See, that's what Paul asked in Acts chapter 19. He found some followers of John the Baptist, and he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you've become a believer? He asked a good question. That's a good question. He said, Well, I believe in Jesus. My question is, has you received the Holy Spirit? Because a believer without the Holy Spirit is a believer that's not yet tapped into the power that God has reserved for them to be sanctified, to be changed, to be transformed. It happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. I feel, I feel my help in the place right now. I feel the anointing of God's Spirit here. The question is not just are you a believer. The question is have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because God never intended for you to live your whole life without having this glorious experience. Because when the Holy Ghost comes in, it leads and guides you to all truth. It transforms and changes you. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. See, otherwise you're just trying to make a change by your willpower. Otherwise you're just trying to live a repented life or a reformed life. It takes the Holy Spirit to get this word, regenerate you. That means to make you a new creature. When the Holy Ghost comes in, things begin to change. And I wonder if there's some people in the house uh, that maybe you've forgotten what it is that made the change in your life you didn't make the difference in your life you didn't become a better person you didn't improve yourself it was the spirit of god that came and shook you up and spun you around and set you walking in the right direction i'm thankful for the holy spirit i want the holy spirit in my life every day if you receive the holy ghost have you received this experience, the Holy Spirit? You say, well, preacher, I don't know. Now that you're talking about it, I don't know. I can't tell you when it happened. Let me tell you. The Bible gives us that there is evidence, initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are many continuing evidences in a person's life that are very important. But the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that experience. Boom. Where you're baptized in the Spirit. Jesus said it this way. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And you hear the sound of it. That word sound is from the Greek word phone, which could be translated voice. The wind is pneuma, which is the same word as spirit. The wind or spirit bloweth where it desireth. Amen. And you hear the voice of it. But you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with every person that is born of the Spirit. Jesus was letting us know that there's always going to be this voice of the Spirit that's an indication that someone has been born again. This spake he of the Holy Ghost that had not yet been poured out. But when it was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. 
says it this way. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Everybody say all. A-L-L, all. That doesn't exclude anybody. That doesn't, uh, that indicates that every person who received the Holy Ghost that day spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And then in Acts chapter 10 and verse number uh, 48, Acts chapter 10, the entire passage of Scripture, when the first Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, the Jewish people were surprised that Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, but it says there could be no doubt because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is the initiation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit comes upon you and you begin to speak in a language that you didn't learn before as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Let me tell you the significance of this. It's not important because we want you to speak another language. It's important because now we know that there's Jesus on the inside and He's going to start working on the outside and there's going to be a change through the Holy Ghost. Through the Holy Ghost. So I'm telling you right now, don't start beating yourself up because you're not measuring up to what you see in the mirror, to what you see God's called you to be. Don't beat yourself up and do like uh, some of those uh, old school from the Catholic Church. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but they would practice. uh, What's that? That penance and things like that where they would beat themselves on the back and, and try to prove through their works that they were diligent. This is works of the flesh. You know why they were doing that? Because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost, you put the whip out of your hand. You take a sword in your hand and you go after the enemy of your soul. And you go after taking new territory from the enemy. Come on, somebody. If you're struggling just to make it, if you're struggling not to lose territory, you're doing it through the flesh. But you let the Holy Ghost get involved and you'll see yourself making progress. You'll see yourself moving forward. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, it gives instructions on the gifts of the Spirit. It makes it very plain that the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be an operation in the church. The Apostle Paul said, don't forbid people to speak in tongues. In fact, I thank God I speak in tongues more than anybody. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm thankful that I speak in tongues more than anybody because I need power. I need anointing. I need to be able to hear from God. I need to be tuned into the Spirit. And then he says in verses 4, 5, and 6 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says this. He says, you know, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. So guess what? When you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you build yourself up. You strengthen yourself. Now, when a preacher preaches under the anointing of the Spirit or someone speaks a word of prophecy, the Bible says it edifies other people. Right. So what I'm doing today when I preach the word through the anointing of the Spirit is there's edification happening. Doubts being pushed out. Some of you have been struggling with doubt. You've been wondering if you can make it. You've been about ready to give up. And I'm telling you today, kick the doubt out. You've been trying to do it through the flesh. It's, try to remember, it's time to remember where your power source is. What's going to give you the ability to do it? What's going to give you the power to do it? But they come in struggling with doubt. They come in struggling with fear. They come in struggling with uh, uh, feelings of inadequacy. Or they come in carnally minded, far from God. And the preaching of the Word of God builds them up. 
The preaching of the word of God builds them up. But the Bible says that a man who speaks in an unknown tongue through the Holy Spirit is edifying himself. What does that mean? That means I can encourage myself in the Lord. I can build myself up in the Lord. I can get stronger in the Lord. I can get more power, more dunamis power in the Lord. The power that was promised that I'd be a witness. And I don't do it by making promises and getting more willpower. But I do it by praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God spoke to me last night and said, Preacher! He didn't say preacher, but he said, if you want to be what I want you to be. It's going to be through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not going to be because you're a good guy. And it's not going to be because you exercise a lot of willpower. And it's not going to be because you learn to control your sinful urges. And it's not going to be just because you practice disciplines. Disciplines are necessary. Spiritual disciplines are necessary. But they can only be appropriately prompted by the Holy Spirit. By the anointing of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In in the book of Jude, verse number 20, it says, Build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, son. When we get in the Spirit of God, Hallelujah. Shut the we get in the Holy Ghost, things begin to change and begin to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, ma'am, the thing you've been struggling with, you're going to keep struggling. Because your way is not going to work. You've got to turn it over to Jesus. You've got to let the Holy Spirit in on this thing. And that's what God wants you to do. Some of us were like, hey, I'll take care of it. I don't want to bother God with that. God's like, you're missing the whole point. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you're saved. You become a new creature through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. How many will believe with me? How many believe, will believe with me that it's time at 380 South Rosemead Boulevard, at least for the next four or five months, that we're going to see revival that is characterized by people being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, this is what, what, I, what I feel. This is what's stirring in me. I want to see people receiving the Holy Ghost down in the prayer room downstairs before service. I want to see people receiving the Holy Ghost while we're having our worship service before the preacher ever preaches. I want to see people receiving the Holy Ghost right in the middle of the service while the preacher's preaching. Amen. It happened in the Bible. It says, why, Peter, yet? spoke these words the holy ghost fell on them which heard them which believed and i want to see our altars filled with people receiving the baptism of the holy ghost because i can try to give you 10 steps of how to improve your life i can try to give you my best impression of a self-help motivation speaker and throw some scriptures in there to give some validity to it but you're going to leave you're going to have taken some notes you're going to say okay i'm going to try to apply this it's going to be a work of the flesh and you're going to end up frustrated like the apostle paul did you're going to say i can't do it i've tried but i find this law working against me the only thing that can deal with that law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the only way that can be applied is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit so I'm telling you today the only thing that's going to make a difference in your life is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and some of you that have already received the Holy Ghost the only thing that's going to make a difference in your life is you need a good old fashioned snotting 
slobbering, crying, praying through to God, letting His Spirit come into you afresh, letting His anointing flow over you again. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost and fire. The old timer said it's real. It's real. I know it's real. It's the Holy Ghost and power, and I know it's real. Somebody here got that witness uh, that you know that it's real. It's what made a change in your life. It's what keeps you on the straight and narrow. It's what keeps the fire burning in your belly. It's not your works. It's not your strength, but it's the Holy Ghost and fire. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, somebody stand up right now, and let's begin to praise the King of Kings. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you. Come on, it's time to praise him for a few moments right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to remind you, Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Man, when you read the book of Acts, just do a search. If you have a concordance, look up the word Holy Ghost. It's like... Almost every other verse in the book of Acts. You look in the epistles. It's Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. You look at Christianity in the lukewarm form today. You don't hear much about Holy Ghost. You hear about three steps steps to improve your marriage. How to get financially secure. How to obtain God's blessings. Guess what? It's the power of the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. Hallelujah. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that makes a difference. In Jesus' name. And I'm believing. I don't know how it's going to happen. If we're going to bring some evangelists in. or We're definitely going to continue with our prayer and fasting. But God's going to begin to pour out His Spirit. I remember when we started here as pastor. Um, actually, we had a revival. A week and a half. Two weeks before. Uh, two weeks. And then we became pastor later. And my wife and I were here. And. In the matter of uh, that week, I believe there were seven or eight that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then I remember we'd been here like a year or two, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon me to stand up and say, we're going to see 30 people receive the Holy Ghost in one month. And we saw 30 people receive the Holy Ghost in one month. And I look under here, I don't see any Holy Ghost certificates of late. And I'm telling you that it's time for God's Spirit to be poured out in this place. I heard people say before you get what you preach. So guess what? We're going to be preaching Holy Ghost. We're going to preach Holy Ghost till you guys are sick of hearing it. Because God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, you can receive it before you leave here. Amen. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and it'll transform and change your life. Hallelujah. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I need a couple ushers to come. And uh, if you ladies would kind of step out, we're going to push these front rows back a little bit. And we're going to come forward. And for a few minutes, we're going to reach out to God. We're going to praise Him. And we're going to pray. I want some of you to make this commitment. And I'm going to pray till I break through in the Holy Ghost.
Amen. That's three amens. The Bible says if two or three agree on anything, God's in the midst of it. I got two or three here that said we're going to pray until we break through in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. What happens? What happens when you break through in the Holy Ghost? Let me tell you what happens. When I first start praying, it's all about me. It's just me. I'm like, hey, 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 God, here I am. You know, uh, I'm thinking about things. I'm praying with my understanding. God, you know, I got this issue in my life. I've got this I'm dealing with. Come on, help me, help me, help me. Come on, Lord, I need your help. And all of a sudden, something shifts. Woo! And I feel my help, and it's the anointing of the Spirit. And I begin to feel God take over, and it's all about Him. And I lose myself, and I get out of the way, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to work through me and in me. And I want the Holy Ghost to move in this place today. Some of you want the Holy Ghost to move in this place today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to, I want to invite everybody to come forward right now. Why don't we, if you're willing to... Why don't we just move up close to the front? Some of you have to kind of spill into the aisles. Some of you come up around the front. Draw close right now. Hallelujah. Somebody said hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes I think we can get so nervous, man. We miss out on what God wants to do. We get so formal. You know what I think you could do right now? I think you could turn around to three people and give them a high five and God can steal them. You believe that? Give high five to three people. Hey, I want you to speak a word of faith to somebody right now. Here's what I want you to say. Turn to two people, three people. I want you to say, the Holy Spirit is getting ready to come upon you. Come on, say it with faith. Look them in the eye and you tell them. You tell them. You tell them. Come on, this is what's going to make the difference in your life right now. Amen. The Bible says that with the words of Jesus in, uh, I can't remember the reference right now, but the words of Jesus were this. Jesus said, if you had a son and he asked you, he was hungry. He said, Dad, I want some fish fillet. Can you give me a fillet of fish from McDonald's? He said, would you go out and give him a scorpion? He's like, no, what kind of a dad would, would be that way? Or if your son's hungry. Brother Donnie, let's say your son is hungry. And Joshua comes up to you and says, Dad, I haven't had anything to eat all day. Do you have any bread? And you happen to have some loaves of bread in your car? And you're like, are you really hungry? And he's like, yeah, I'm hungry, Dad. You're like, okay. Here, and you hand him a big stone. That's what the Bible says. How many of you dads would do that? And your sons are over there like gnawing on a stone, licking it. And it's like, this is not helping, Dad. He said, none of you, because dads love to give good gifts to their kids. They love to watch their kids smile as they're blessed. Yeah, your Heavenly Father is the same way. And the Bible verse sums it up this way. How much more will the Heavenly Father... Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. That's how it, it sums it up. If you want something from God, you got to ask. All you got to ask is ask in faith. And God's going to fill you and refill you and restore you and renew you. Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. This is the only way I know to do it. Is I want you to just ask in just a moment. Say, Lord, I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
I want your spirit to come upon me. And after you ask, you can just ask him like that. You don't have to use King James English. You don't have to say, poorest upon me, thou holiest of spirits. You don't have to say that. Just say, Jesus, I want this Holy Ghost. Jesus, I want a fresh baptism. Just ask him right now. Just say it. You can say it with your eyes open. You can say it with your eyes closed. It doesn't matter. And what we're going to do is we're going to lift up our hands and begin to praise the Lord. And while you begin to praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to fall upon you. I believe it and I speak it right now. The anointing's here. I felt it from when I left the house this morning. I felt it in the prayer room today. I felt it through the worship service. God's going to fill with the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, those that are hungry. Now lift up your hands all over this place. Lift up your hands and just begin to praise the Lord. I want you to expect it to come because it's not going to be you for long. It's not going to be just you for long, but here comes the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your faith. Lift up your faith. Jesus, I believe right now. Come on, come on. This is a prayer room. Hallelujah. You have the right to praise God. You have the right to lift up your voice. You got a right to shout out in tongues. Hallelujah. This is about let God edify you right now. Hallelujah. The word's gone forth. Now respond to it. Now receive ye the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit reign. Reign down. right now. Somebody push a little bit. Come on, let go, let go, let go. Release the pressure. Release the stress. Don't be fearful. Don't be intimidated. Just love Jesus with all your heart. somebody, I want you to lay hands on them in Jesus' name. I want you to, it may be somebody that's already filled with the Holy Ghost, that's fine. You're going to pray them through again. We're going to let the Holy Ghost flow in this place. Lay your hands on their head. Come on, that's it. Turn around in Jesus' name. Speak with authority. Don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful. God wants to fill you, somebody with the Holy Ghost. Baptize somebody again. Shatamabaha. Akalele roshandarababosai. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's it. 
Come on, don't be afraid. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. If you prayed for somebody, go pray for somebody else. Pray for them until you believe it's happening, until you see it happen.
praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. One last time, lift your hands if you want to. Oh, how we need you, Jesus. We feel you here in this place tonight, this afternoon, Jesus. presence of the Lord here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask them to continue for a few moments just to play and sing and let's worship the Lord and keep this atmosphere of faith and praise alive. And uh, we're going to dismiss those of you that uh, uh, need to head on. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. We love each and every one of you and thankful for God's movement of his spirit. Amen. Make sure you 
make plans if you can to be at camp, and uh, we'll see you the walkathon on Saturday, nine o'clock in the morning at the Rose Bowl, and then and at uh, next Sunday for a great time. Hallelujah! Once again, let's just thank God for what He's done, and we'll be dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your spirit and your anointing, Lord, and for the work that's happening and what you're doing, Jesus, and what you've started. We ask, Lord God, let it be completed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. Come.